are listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Collaborative. Compulsive. Creator. Tammy Evans-Yance, an Atlanta native, is a flautist, collaborative musician, writer, and professor. She is a dedicated new music performer who is particularly interested in the commissioning and teaching of new music. Dr. Yance has commissioned over 20 works involving flute, many with a specific focus on creating new music for the glissando head joint. Good to meet you like this. Thank you for doing this, Tammy. Oh, sure. Yes, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, so we're going to hear some pieces or rather excerpts from your new album. And what's that album called? It's called Dreams Grow Like Slow Ice. Ah, so that would be uh, that title coming from Jay Batzner's piece, right? It is, yes. And that was, um, we had Jay on, I, I don't, I can't remember which episode number it was, but we had him on last spring at some point, I think. And uh, we featured that piece. And that was kind of how uh, myself and the and the listeners of Lexical Tones got uh, introduced uh, to, to you. Cool. And um, and also the the work, um, the work was written for the glissando head joint. Yes, it was. So, and a couple of the pieces we're going to hear tonight are also for that glissando head joint. So we'll we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But f- who are all on, on this new album? Who are all the composers that are featured on it? Well, let's see. Um, Michael Kallstrom is one. Jay Batzner has uh, a couple of pieces as well. Andrew Rodriguez, Alan Tyson, David Mitchell. Um, yeah, and then a, a couple of additional ones by by composers I just mentioned. Are are all of these pieces for the Glissando head joint? I mean, what are the what are the common features that kind of made you place all of these pieces together on an album? Sure. Yeah, they're not all for Glissando head joint. Um, they I think they they really tie together because they represent what I've been working on primarily over the past probably five years or so. So they're the ones that sort of keep coming up. And I guess they're my personal greatest hits <laughs> in terms of, <laughs> of performances and, and the ones that I tend to gravitate towards again and again over the past few years. So some are for a regular C flute and then some are for the glissando head joint. But they're all, yeah, they're all pretty heavy hitters in my rotation the past few years. Is there kind of a growing uh, repertoire for glissando head joint? Yeah, there is. So it's still, it's still pretty much a, a niche thing at this point, but there are some performers who are uh, pretty serious in terms of either improv for it, or in my case, commissioning for it. Um, and so, yeah, you, you run into people and you, you kind of share the repertoire that, that you've been working on um, and, and swap ideas, but I wouldn't say it's mainstream at this point, but you, you know, there are, there are some people. So the first piece we're going to kind of take a look at through the lens of that glissando head joint is another piece piece by Jay Batzner called Firewalk. Sure. And we're going to hear the beginning of this and also the end of it. So so when Jay was on the podcast, he kind of explained a little bit about how the glissando head joint works. But I mean, you're the expert. So how does it work? Sure. Well, you know, it looks um, it looks a lot like a regular head joint, except there's an extension um, that's basically a carrier tube. And so the lip plate then can slide, it's mobile. So it can slide along the carrier tube. And you do that with just these two metal sort of bracket extensions on either side of the lip plate. So you really mm-hmm. can get a true glissando that way. 
Um, and it also extends the lower range of the flute and can result in some really interesting timbre changes, um, just depending on what note you're actually fingering, on, you know, on the keys. So it's it's got a lot of possibilities for um, just some really interesting sounds. So the the head joint actually moves kind of in a horizontal motion. Is yes. that right? Right. Just yeah. mm-hmm. basically just. Well, basically just making the end of the flute that much longer. Right. Yeah. And so if you play it with the head joint, the lip plate all the way to the right, which is called, you know, home position, then it sounds just like a regular C flute and you can do anything with it that you can with a standard flute. Um, but then as you sort of slide that mobile lip plate to the left, you're going to get um, those those glissando sounds. Yeah. And then how much how much lower does it extend the range of the flute? It, or I, I guess I guess how like what are the outer limits of how far you can glissando? Sure, it's going to be different depending on what note you're fingering to the on the keys, right? Because mm-hmm. because of the the length of the air column. So it could be just a half step um, extension, or it could be a step and a half, or anywhere between those. Again, just depending on what note you're you're playing. Um, but in right. terms of the lowest note, it goes down to a low A. So it extends the flute from a low B to an A. Okay. And then naturally, if you're, if you're higher up on the, if you're fingering a higher note on the flute that, uh, you know, those, what is it like a, a, an an inch or a couple of inches that you're actually moving the head joint? Sure. Yeah. That's a couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that will necessarily be a bigger interval in the higher uh, in the higher range, right? Yeah, well, and some of it has to do with just the fingerings, though, because sometimes you're you're going to run into places where you can't actually extend it all the way down to the lower uh-huh. end of the carrier tube. It, it's just, it kind of depends. Like, there's certain notes that you know you just, you're going to, they're going to cut out midway. And so you can mm. use some alternate fingerings if you're going for the particular timbre um, of, of that extension, or you just know that you kind of, you hit a wall at a certain point and you just kind of learn where right. those are. So how did you become interested in working with the glissando flute? Well, um, I think the first place I saw it was one of these flute conferences, you know, we're sort of uh, clannish folks and we have lots and lots of uh, festivals and and conferences Mm -hmm. and we get a lot of vendors at those. And so there's one vendor in Michigan who who sells them. And so I just thought, well, this this is kind of cool. And I was pretty firmly into the new music universe at that point um and you know chatted with composers over twitter that's kind of where i meet a lot of folks um and one of those was jay um and i had played some of his music before that and he said you know i'd be interested in writing a piece for it and i said all right well you you write it i'll get the head joint i i think i'll get enough use out of it to make it worth my while um and that's yeah that's kind of how it started so was was jay's piece uh the first piece that you played for this yes Mm-hmm. And that's and and that is the the earlier piece that we had on the previous episode. The dreams grow like slow ice, right? Right. Yeah. So I think we started talking about that in 2012, and it was premiered in 2013. Okay. And then this the the piece that we're going to hear next, Firewalk. That was just the next year. So he kind of wrote two pieces for Glissando Flute almost back to back. Yeah, and he's written one since that then. So last, oh, man. let's see, earlier this year, yeah, it's a it's a big three movement piece for glissando flute and concert band. It's amazing. It's based on Guns N' Roses songs. 
So it's pretty awesome. I get to be Slash, which is, you know, I mean, everyone's You do get to be Slash. You're going to wear the hat and everything? Yeah, I need a big wig. Um, But yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that was a really awesome piece that I premiered earlier this year. So yeah, yeah, he's he's been a good sport with the Glissando head joint. Now you will have played three different pieces by by Jay. So what are the what are the features of this piece? But I guess more broadly, what is it that Jay does really well for this flute that you guys keep keep coming back to each other? Um, that's a really good question. I think he just he knows how it works. <laughs> you know, he's mm-hmm. he's taken the time, and you know, I haven't really talked to him about how much time he had to spend figuring this out, but it's just all really natural. It it works really well. He doesn't really write anything that I kind of frown at or say, you know, I just don't think that's going to work. It, it's all really idiomatic for this new flute, basically. Um, and mm-hmm. then it just sounds really cool, too. So um, the combination of, of just the idiomatic nature and the fact that it's, it's just good music um, makes him a really good composer to work with. So we're going to listen to two excerpts of this. The first one will be the beginning to about a minute in, and then the second excerpt will be a uh, just about the the last minute or so of the piece. And we're going to hear them back to back. So uh, we'll listen to it now. This is Firewalk by Jay Batzner. <laughs> If we had a flute player listening to this episode who wants to kind of get into this rep, how would they how would they go about getting the glissando head joint? And like, how much does it roughly cost? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Robert Dick, we have to mention him. He invented the head joint. And so he's uh, okay. in the flute community. He is, um, you know, he is flute royalty. He's a, an improviser, composer, performer. Um, based in New York. And so he had this idea to create this glissando head joint, really inspired 
I know I was kind of joking about getting to be Slash, but um, it was inspired by the whammy bar. So he wanted okay. something. Yeah, he wanted something that yeah. was able to create these sounds. And so he kind of shopped the idea around and finally got a head joint maker to commit to making these. And so, yeah, you buy them from Flute Specialists. It's a company in Michigan. And, um, you know, I haven't looked at the price in a while, but I think it's somewhere around 1200 bucks, which mm-hmm. in flute terms is not very expensive for a head joint. Um, right. And I've definitely gotten my money's worth out of it for sure. Yeah. I mean, like the the whole time when I was listening to these pieces, and I think it came up when I was talking to Jay in his episode, Whammy Bar was like how I was kind of understanding sure. how not only, you know, because uh, in, in the next piece we'll listen to by Andrew Rodriguez, it almost seems like that was his kind of idea, like taking taking a repeated figure um, and then just like slowly glissando, uh, yep. you know, slowly glissing it down almost in the style of like, you know, I, what, what I immediately am drawn to about that or what it makes, what I think about when I think about that technique is just Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. 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 You know, uh-huh. you know just, just doing that, uh, those medley medleys up on the high strings and then yep. just go, going way, way down. So that's cool. All yeah. right. Well that, I mean, that makes sense. And it kind of, is that kind of the. You know, when you're not just glissandoing a uh, just a single note, when you are basically taking a passage and then drawing it down and up, is mm-hmm. that the kind of notation that people have used to to kind of signify that? Yes. Yeah, so there is there is, of course, the necessity to come up with some f- consistent, fairly consistent notation. And so some of that, yeah, is just being able to notate over the to- top of however many measures of material that you do slide from, you know, home position all the way out as far as it'll extend. Or, um, you know, sometimes even, you know, a lot of times people say, well, this is just like a trombone slide. Um, But actually I can change notes, but then I can also slide while I'm changing fingerings on the flute. So it's like trombone squared or something, you know? Um, So sometimes um, you talk a little bit about Andrew's piece he has it where I'm sliding, but also changing those fingers. So yeah, just kind of depending on the effect that the composer is wanting, um, there are certain ways that you can no- notate that so that it, it is intuitive and makes sense to the player. So when composers are writing for this instrument and for you, what kinds of things do they kind of have to think about differently? Well, you know, Robert Dick has provided some fingering charts, which are really handy because they're going to show... I mentioned before where sometimes the note just cuts out mid way through the carrier too. So mm-hmm. those are indicated. So just kind of knowing, you know, if that note needs to be for some sort of timbre reason to be played with a certain fingering where that's going to cut out or maybe what some alternate fingerings would be. Um, so those would be some limitations that are slightly different from the standard flute. Um, also just physics. So sometimes um, if someone wants me to play really quickly and I'm all the way extended, it's going to take me, you know, half a second to get back to home position if I need to be there. So sometimes I need, uh, you know, an eighth rest or something to get from one end of the tube back to home position. So that's something that you also don't really have to think so much about with standard. Um, so some of those just little practicalities are are things that composers should be aware of. But usually, you know, when I'm working with a composer, we, we usually have 
sort of an intro Skype session, just where I kind of noodle around a little bit and they see how it works. Um, and then oftentimes we, we kind of just touch base a few times throughout the, the process just to go over some things where they might have questions about the you know practicality of, of something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems it, one thing that I think is featured really prominently in Andrew's piece, the one we're going to listen to next, is the kind of, uh, you know, starting on, I mean, you're, you can glissando pretty much both ways, but yeah, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're going from kind of uh, a lower note to the higher note, you really do have to be fingering the higher note and then you know go all the way out and then come back to the right the home position is that correct yes it is so it you know i do have to sit down before i play a piece and just come up with the strategy of it really um so yeah i have to figure out where i'm starting um and then you know sometimes composers want a note that's somewhere in between the um the mm. starting note and it being fully extended so at that point i have just a little I guess a notation system for myself where I say, well, it's, you know, a third of the way out or halfway out or something like that. And then um, I just have to use my ears. So it's actually been the best ear training I've ever had. (laughs) I I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, has, has anyone been daring enough to write anything microtonal for this? Yes. um, There are, there are a few of those. So there's one that I'm kind of looking at now that is microtonal and I haven't performed it yet, so I'm still kind of in the the learning stages. But you uh-huh. you just kind of again you you get an ear for it, and you kind of get a feel for um, how far it's extended, um, and then it's it's sort of like just memorizing fingerings in a way. You know, you just mm-hmm. kind of learn for that piece what that piece feels like. Yeah, how did you get connected with Andrew Rodriguez, and and kind of who is he? Um, Twitter, I think. Uh, which is probably the answer to most of these. How did you meet these composers? Um, he is fantastic. So he's just uh, finished a, a master's in composition at uh, Illinois. And he um, produced this album. He's got a fantastic ear. He's done a really, really great job. Um, and so, yeah, he, he you know, and I talked about a new piece and he listened to a lot of stuff that I had on my SoundCloud. And he said, you know, a lot of this stuff is slow. So I'm going to write you something fast. I said, all right, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to write. And so what he ended up with was a really fantastic piece that kind of um, tells the story of being in a car at night, being a passenger. And so you're kind of dozing in and out of consciousness and you get the smearing of the lights on the highway and, um, you know, just going through towns, you're going to have different sort of flickers of of lights and sounds. Um, And I think he, he really captures that. That's interesting. I, I, I had it. That hadn't occurred to me, but yeah, he's with the glissando head head joint. You're actually able to kind of get like a kind of Doppler shift going. Yeah, it's really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So again, we're going to hear uh, the beginning about the first 45 seconds, and then we're going to hear some of his uh, middle section where y- it is very prominent, the kind of, you know, pl- where you're playing a repeated passage and you're just kind of like you're applying a whammy bar to the flute, just kind of going down and up and kind of distorting that that passage as you play through it. So this is Highways by Andrew Rodriguez.
the next piece we're going to hear, this is this is a piece just for straight up regular old head joint, regular C flute, right? Yes. <laughs> and this is uh, Alan Tyson's piece, Commendo Spiritum Meum. And it kind of seems like, you know, in, in the composition world, it, it kind of seems like nearly everyone has that unaccompanied flute piece in their arsenal. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've... I've heard a lot of bad ones. So <laughs> what what makes a good one for you? Um, I think for this one specifically, what I like is that it's fairly compact, but it really allows for a lot of um a lot of variety in both tone, register, um you really get to crank out some good volume there a little bit later. But there's a lot of opportunity, I think, to shape the sound. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, and that's why I think I, I keep coming back to this one. And I mean, is that, I, I, I think clearly those are things that you'd be looking for in just about any solo flute piece, you know, unaccompanied flute piece, but I mean, just in a, in a more broad sense, like what are the features that draw you to a piece as opposed like, oh, I want to play this piece as opposed to this other unaccompanied flute piece that. I, I don't want to play. So like, what are, what are those things that you are drawn to uh, that make them, that make the pieces like attractive or interesting to you? Sure. I think for me specifically, this is super specific, but I really love a, a nice fat low register. So anytime that I can really, um, you know, crank out those low notes, that's for me personally, that's, that's pretty fun. Yeah. I mean that I personally, that's, that's where I think the flute sounds the coolest and when I was I mean I was a music education student in undergrad and you know we had to go through all of the uh um you know methods classes and in my flute percussion why they pair flute and percussion together was beyond me but in that flute class like that was I was so good at playing the low notes. I could not play a high note to save my life. <laughs> sure, yeah. I was no good at it whatsoever. And sure. my wife is a flute player. So, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 But she could she could not help me there. I just uh, couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, that's but, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that that low range of the flute is is where it really really sounds so so cool. And yeah. I mean, this piece that we're going to hear, Commendo Spiritum Meum, is a like you said, it's a pretty short piece. So we're actually, I mean, we're going to hear about two thirds of it. Sure. Um, and uh, the other thing that kind of was interesting about this piece for me is that, I mean, 2011. I, I'm going to call it old. It's not old, but <laughs> but relative relative to some of the other pieces, I mean, it's you know, it's a little bit old and. This piece was not written for you, no, right? No, it was not. Yeah, it was just a piece that Alan had. And I think it's really important that performers aren't only premiere hunting. Oh, or no. O- right. Or only doing commissions. And right. I, you know, so it's like there, there's so much music out there that uh, and a lot of it's just going into that kind of one performance graveyard Mm -hmm. so you know i really appreciate when performers will take on a piece even if it wasn't written for them or even if it's already been performed several times or or whatever so i think it's really i I think it's really cool that you're you know recording and and still like uh still putting this out there oh sure yeah oh yeah i'm 
of course, commissioning is a big part of what I do. But I mean, for example, Jay's piece, you know, Dreams, Girl Like Slow Ice, I think I've played it 15 times now on three mm-hmm. continents. So yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of those performers, I guess, who is just chasing uh, premieres. Because um, I, I think sometimes the second performance is more important than the first. Um, but yeah, you know, Alan and I are, are friends and he said, Hey, I've got this piece and I really liked it. And again, I just kept reaching for it for different performances. And, um, it really speaks to me. It's got a lot of great features. So yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be written for me, for me to, to enjoy it and, yeah. and play it a bunch. So, yeah. So again, we're going to hear, uh, from the beginning to about a little after a minute and then about a minute 40 to two ten. Um, what is, what it's, it seems like this piece might have some sort of program to it. Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, he apparently wrote this for a, a good Friday church service. Um, and, and Misty Tyson, his wife, who is a fantastic, amazing performer, um, it was written for her and she gave that premiere performance. Um, but yeah, it's it's for a Good Friday church service. Awesome. So this is Commendo Spiritum Meum by Alan Tyson. The last piece that we're going to look at from this album is called Behind the Day by Michael Kallstrom. Mm-hmm. When was this written? Let's see. That would have been last year, I believe. Oh, so this is we're ending with the, the newest piece. Well, okay. let's see. No, it's been a couple years, a couple years at this point. Yeah, but it is it is pretty new. I think it probably is one of the newest yeah, that I have on this. So who is who is Michael Kallstrom and how did you get connected there? Is this another Twitter? It's Twitter. Thing? Yep. Oh, man. So, you know, he he's one of the first composers I think I met on Twitter years ago. Um, he recently retired from Western Kentucky University. He was a um, theory composition professor there. Um, he really uh, multidisciplinary. So he's a composer, but also is a visual artist and um, a singer. 
um, still active singer, um, and he's written ballets and all kinds of really sort of multidisciplinary artworks and um, just became really a great friend, a really good mentor. Um, And one of the first, I guess he's kind of was when I was making my final uh, commitment to new music. That was one of the people who seemed to be around when I was um, sort of deciding that's where I wanted to be. Um, and just sent me one of his pieces, another one on this album, actually. Um, and so since then has written me several pieces um, and written several pieces for me and then uh, the flute professor at Western Kentucky, Heidi Alvarez. So we've played several works that he's written for the two of us specifically. So just a good friend all around. And what is the kind of story behind this piece? I mean, what does behind the day mean? Well, he um, he writes poetry. And so oftentimes his music is based on poetry that he's written. So I can I can read the short poem that it's based on. Um, sure, that'd be great. Yeah. Behind the day, blue clouds of smoke drift, shades of dark and light lurk behind the scenes, a layered scrim of what has been and what must be, a textured depth of infinity. And that's an original poem by Michael Kostrom, which is the basis of this piece. What are we going to hear in the excerpts you chose? Well, I think um, the examples that I chose really kind of define his music for me. So when I hear one of his melodies or hear one of his pieces, I can really spot it right away. Um, it's really vocal in style, um, which I imagine is partly due to the fact that he's a singer. Um, mm-hmm. Very vocal, but there's always a, a rhythmic intensity that's that pops through, um, usually in, in the middle section. And it's just... Um, I can spot it every time. So there's a little bit of syncopation sometimes. There's um, just a, a, a quick quickness to the movement that contrasts with the longer lyrical vocal melodies. Cool. So we're going to listen to two excerpts. And again, it's going to be about a big beginning to about a minute through the piece and then about a minute 40 through 250-ish. And this is Behind the Day by Michael Kallstrom. <laughs>
get to the last question that I always ask all the you know composers performers artists that come on the podcast how did you come to music as something that you wanted to pursue for your life that's a big question isn't it <laughs> that's why we do it at the end <laughs> yeah well you know I I am a product of the public band public school band program so I started out there um, and it was just something that I, I guess I just never quit doing. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I debated about going into medicine. That was the other big option that I felt like I could potentially spend my life doing. But I just I couldn't see myself leaving playing the flute. Um, and so, yeah, you know, occasionally um, there is that thought that what if kind of thought, but I, I don't have any regrets. So. Um, I think it's just the momentum that that built up and all of the new things that I'm always learning and new opportunities and um, relationships and friendships that really come out of it, especially, I think, in new music, since we're often working with living composers and <laughs> we're able to collaborate <laughs> with, with people who are alive. Um, so I think sort of the built-in friendships that come out of it is is a good reason to kind of stay. That's an interesting way you put it, that it's just something that you never quit. Right. <laughs> because most things in life, yeah, you know, we do it until we don't. Right. You know, and... <laughs> I just haven't reached that point yet, so I guess I guess I'm here, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, what's... Uh, when does this... This album is already out. So where can people uh, where can people go and find it? We're just finalizing all of that um, this week, actually. So um, digital downloads, of course. I'll also have physical copies because I kind of like physical media still. Um, and so you can go to my website to be directed to all those different download options or purchase options. It's TammyEvansYance.com. Cool. So what's uh, what's next? Are you going to kind of tour tour some of the, some of these pieces around or what are your upcoming performances um well i've got uh i'm performing in argentina later Ooh. this month so yeah that will have already happened by the time this comes out but argentina is up next um i've got a performance here on campus in south dakota um and then i'm looking at potentially doing a, a sort of an album tour um kind of looking at maybe new englandish um, so yeah, if anyone in that area is producing anything and, and might be interested, then, uh, yeah, feel free to let me know. Awesome. So before you go, um, you already mentioned your website, but where obviously it seems like people can find you on Twitter. So oh, yeah. what's your Twitter handle? It's also Tammy Evans Yance. So pretty easy to find me. And your website again was Tammy right? Yep. That's it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, 
please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.